Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Season 5, Episode 28 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again today as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials uh, found in uh, Matthew uh, Chapter 5, uh, no, Chapter 4 and Luke Chapter 4 and 5. And today we're going to continue with our study of the Saviour's uh, resisting of temptation uh, in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, 1 to 11 and 1 to 13. So we spoke a little bit about um, the first temptation, which was, of course, um, the tempting of turning some stones into bread, uh, feeding the Saviour's physical needs. Uh, And we spoke about how that can be related to any uh, kind of appetite or desire that the body has that we need to try and work with, whether that be some sort of... um, kind of problem with how we look after our bodies or how we treat our bodies or how we respect other people's bodies uh, through chastity and other ways and through how we um, do all and how all of those kind of appetites and passions are are bridled. Um, What I found interesting is this quote by uh, S. Kent Brown who said this, quote, we find allusion in this temptation to the creation account. At base, the devil teases Jesus to duplicate what is done at creation, to fashion from natural elements something that is very different in nature. At issue is Jesus' status as a deity now in human form and his willingness to precisely follow his father. While a heavenly divine being, Jesus brings Adam to life. Now in the wilderness, the devil challenges, can he perform something similar, though less demanding? As a sentient being, Adam is, of course, more complex than bread. Naturally, all this assumes that Jesus possesses divine powers, that the scene with the devil is real, and that the devil recognises Jesus for who he is from pre-mortal life. Not all will grant these assumptions, but the act of creating bread from a stone echoes the act of creating Adam from dust. The temptation is set off all the more sharply because the devil evidently does not tempt Jesus to satisfy his thirst, which is his main need in the, de- in the desert. Of course, the appearance of stone recalls the statement from the Baptist about God making children from Abraham from stones, forming a clear bridge back to John's allusions to the creation account. Close quote. I just thought it was very interesting that that this kind of perspective, that it reminds us who Jesus is. He is the being who was Jehovah in the Old Testament. He created the earth. And so this act of changing stone to bread was a very small and very insignificant thing that he could have done. It just puts into perspective just how little amount of his power and, and glory it was that was needed to do this change to satisfy his hunger. And yet he did not do it. As we know, Jesus responds to scripture saying, it, it is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So we kind of move past the first temptation and we come to the second one. Um, with this, um, we have a different perspective or a different um, kind of challenge that is issued to the Saviour. Um, it says in verse 5 of Matthew chapter 4, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a, on a pinnacle of the temple. Now, it's first of all in the Joseph Smith translation in Joseph Smith, Matthew 4 verse 5. It says, then Jesus was, was taken up. Uh, then Jesus was, t- was taken up into the holy city, and the spirit set of him on the pinnacle at the temple, uh, indicating that the devil is not demanding or directing where the saviour goes, uh, but he is being guided by the spirit as to where to go. Here, uh, the devil tempts him uh, and um, in, entices him in verse six, to, and says, "If thou be the son of God, if." that be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. 
interestingly here, the devil, uh, Satan, has noted uh, the Savior's reaction to him by using scripture um, in response to him with the first temptation. And so in the second temptation, he himself quotes scripture towards him to, to kind of point toward his status as the Son of God and how, you know, he would be saved if he throws himself off this temple. So if the first temptation was focused at the base desires and appetites of the body that Jesus was now encased within, what was this temptation for focused at? Well, President Howard W. Hunter gives a bit of insight into this. He says, quote, There lurked in this appeal from Satan another temptation of the human side of mortal nature, the temptation to perform some dazzling feats or some astounding exploit which might bring crowds of amazed and attentive onlookers Surely, leaping from the dizzy heights of the temple turret and landing in the courtyard unhurt would be such a feat. This would be the public recognition that Jesus was a superior being and did have a message from on high. It would be a sign and a wonder, the fame of which would spread like wildfire throughout Judea and cause many to believe that the Messiah had indeed come. But faith is to precede the miracle. Miracles are not to precede the faith. Jesus, of course, answered reply, uh, answered scripture for scripture by replying, it is, not, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Once more, the purposes of, Swede, of Satan were thwarted and Christ became the victor, close quote. So it was a point of um, recognition of status. And perhaps it was more focused toward um, the potential pride that Satan, uh, that Satan was, was trying to bring up within, within Christ, um, that he would, should be able to do this. And actually, it would help him to accomplish his work as the saviour even more so because more people would listen to him. As the Messiah, he will be recognised as a person who could perform such a miraculous, incredible feat. Uh, and it, this is surely pointing towards kind of the pride aspect of human nature, uh, status, um, of recognition uh, by people on looking. But uh, the Saviour resists this once again, again, by simply stating the scripture um, that he does and by noting that you know, he's not going to tempt the Lord thy God. He is not going to do anything that is against his will to seek a sign. Um, and again, uh, in verse 8, we are taken to this exceedingly high mountain and Satan shows him the kingdoms of the world and all the glory of them. Again, noting the fact that in the Joseph Smith translation, it points out that the Spirit led uh, Jesus to this exceedingly high mount uh, and, then this, and then Satan came tempting him again. Um now, notice that this third temptation uh, is not in Luke chapter 4, only the bread uh, to stones and the from the pinnacle of the temple um, is there. And then in verse 13, it simply states, and when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. So we're not, um, it's not mentioned. Uh, and I'm going to come back to this for, for a season as well, because that's something I haven't noticed before, uh, before studying uh, before for our session today. Um, but in Matthew, we do have this third temptation that is referred to. And of course, it is, uh, if we've had the, the, lust, the lust and appetites of the body uh, for the first temptation, and then pride and recognition as the second, this one is about power and wealth and um, high status in the world. This is that Satan says that if he w falls down and worships him, then he will give Jesus all of these kingdoms. Of which, of course, is a, a blatant um, mockery before him because Christ knows his, his divine mission. He knows 
uh, what he has been sent to do. And he knows to whom these kingdoms rightfully belong. Um, and in verse 10, we see him respond and say, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Um, and then the devil leaves him. And it says in Matthew, um, angels came and ministered unto him. But I want to come back to Luke chapter 4, because as I mentioned, it says when he finished all these temptations in verse 13, uh, he departed from him for a season. Um, it's not explicitly clear what this season was and uh, if further um, temptations came later. I expect that uh, this is referring to when uh, he was to perform the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate pinnacle of his mission uh, in the garden and on the cross when um, he was perhaps kind of um, goaded and perhaps wondered if he could do the thing that was about to come before him. S. Ken Brown continues and says, uh, quote, um, Not incidentally, uh, the phrase translated for a season means until a certain time, uh, with the term for season, Greek kairos, ha having to do with critical or decisive moments, pointing to other moments of testing and very possibly to the last days of Jesus' life. Close quote. So this for a season is translated to at a certain point. And it may well be that uh, this is now kind of foreshadowing what is going to happen later as Jesus um, goes about his, his ministry and, and teaches and performs miracles uh, to those in it that, that he lived with immortality. But ultimately what he was ultimately here to do, and that was his mission for all of God's children. Uh, thank you so much uh, for sharing and studying with us. Obviously, what we learn from this in terms of re kind of resisting temptation is... Um, following the spirits to the places we need to go, keeping away from temptation where we can, as Jesus did. But then when it does find us, um, responding with scripture, uh, responding with uh, truths of, of the doctrine that we know. Uh, and that can be a very powerful thing to do in our, in our lives as well. So thanks for joining us uh, with that study on this. And uh, we'll continue uh, into that a little bit more in our study tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. And until we meet again. <laughs>